so excited about learning about Jesus. And, uh, but tonight, I'd ask that you would open up your Bible to Genesis 25, and we're going to get dive right in. But like I said, are you full of forgiveness? Okay, because uh, these names are tough, even for you academic people out there. So I'll, I'll just skim over them. But here, first of all, I believe that God wants to show, wants us to show him our faith before he goes to work blessing us. Did you hear that? I believe God wants us to show him our faith. Who feels that they're strong in faith? Okay, that's good. We need to continue to grow in our faith. And I believe that through tonight, you're going to be challenged enough to start believing because we, got a, we serve a big God, right? And he loves for us to give him big requests. Like, have the Yankees win the World Series this year. I believe he's going to do it, okay? And I've been disappointed many years because he just wants my faith to grow. I believe. So I'm probably a bad thing for the New York Yankees. But... Before we can experience completion of something, there must be action. You understand that? Before we see a completion, we got to do something, right? Let's think about this. You go to the store and purchase all the ingredients for what can make a delicious meal, right? When you get home, you just leave it on your counter in the bags. Are you able to enjoy that meal? Of course not. And folks, that's sort of a silly thing, but that's the same thing with the faith we have in God. Okay, this tells us full of faith stories, right? Isn't this full of miracles? More miracles than Hollywood could ever develop. But it's full of miracles. Tonight, we will see in our text some faith in action. You see, we need to put it in action. I know everyone in here is, has faith. Maybe some of you have never asked Jesus into your life, and this is all a new thing. I would love to see you down after the service, and we can pray, or I can answer any questions. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you think you're a person of faith, right? But are we really putting that faith into action? And that's what we're going to see tonight. Our first slide you can see on the screen, God wants to see faith in action before he provides the miracle. You see that? He wants to see something. I believe he's testing us. And we're going to see this throughout the Bible. Let's start in verse 1. Abraham took another wife. Right off the bat, that's a little bit of Hollywood. Took another wife. Whose name was Keturah. See, I didn't mess that one up, but I've been practicing. She bore him Zimram. Jacksham, Median, Midian, Ishbak, Shula. Pretty good? Amen. Now I'm going to really get it messed up. Jacksham was the father of Sheba and Dedan. The descendants of Dedan were the Asherites, the Lebjites, the Jerseyites, and the Lamukites. The sons of Midian were Ephraim. Ephraim, Hanuk, Abida, Edah, these were all descendants of Keturah. Boy, she must have read some really crazy books on names. 
Some, you know, I, I asked some people, where did you get that name for your child? Well, I saw it in a book. I think she read that same book. Here we talk about Abraham took another wife. This was after Sarah's death because everybody seems to remember Abraham and Sarah, right? But this was be after her death. In total, Abraham had eight sons, all with crazy names, uh, except for a couple. Isaac was born through Sarah, and then through Isaac and Rebekah, they had Jacob and Esau, which we'll talk about later. Ishmael was born through Hagar. We saw that in Genesis 16. And six others were through Keturah. Verse 5, Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac. But while he was living, he gave the gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son Isaac to the land of the rest. We see here the only such relationship we know about of, in Abraham's life was with Hagar, and that's in Genesis 16. But regarding God's covenant promise to Abraham and his descendants, Keturah was not really on the same level as Sarah. You see, Sarah was right in God's plan right there, right? And part of that whole covenant. But, you know, Sarah, I mean, uh, Keturah was just like second citizen, we can see here. Verse 7, although Abraham lived 175 years, then Abraham breathed his last breath and died at a good old age, an old man full of years, and he was gathered by his people. Wow, 175 years. Could you imagine that? That's crazy. That's crazy. Mom, you got a long way to go. My mom's down here, 97. I think she's going to beat it, right? <laughs> Just so everybody knows, she was the oldest person in all three Mother's Day services, right? What does it say about gathered by his people? What does that mean? This means that his family came and got him and took his remains to their family plot, their burial area. That's what it means by gathered by his people. Just as Abraham had some ups and downs in his life, so do we. But most importantly, folks, we must finish strong. That's the most important thing. We can't look as the stumbling blocks in our life. Abraham, if you follow through, he had some crazy parts in his life, right? So do we. And I love to say, may my past be a point of reference, not of residence. You see, we need to move on. Don't worry about all the mess-ups. Let's move on. Let's finish strong. Let's finish strong. Brothers and sisters, let us make sure that we do much better tomorrow than we did today. That's all we need to worry about. I had a pretty good day today, I think. Okay? But I want to do better tomorrow. I want to do better tomorrow with my Bible study in the morning. I had a good, good time with the Lord, but I want to do better tomorrow. And that doesn't mean that every day I do do better. I don't want you thinking that, wow, Pastor Norm, he's pretty, pretty overconfident, right? I am that. But there's times when I mess up. I get up too late. Tina makes me wash the floors. I don't have time for the Bible study. But what do you got to do? You got to finish strong, right? Let's just finish strong. And I say this, you know, I know there's some young folks in here. If you mess up in a test at school, do better next time. If you get in trouble at school, go on to the next day. 
And it's the same for us, folks, in our marriages. If we have a bad day, let's make tomorrow better. Amen? So we see here on the screen, and I love this. I read this. I don't remember where I picked it up, but it makes so much sense. The Christian life is not called the Christian leap, the Christian jump, or the Christian bounce. It's called the Christian walk because it takes one step at a time. You see, that's all we got to do is one step on a time. What happens? We try to get going. We try to get going. We try to keep up. All of us try to keep up with Pastor Dave and to be as good as Pastor Dave. We can't do that. So just take one step at a time. One step at a time. Because who's stepping with you? Stepping with us. So what's the sense of running? You're not going to outrun them, right? So let's take one step at a time. Abraham was full of years, it says. The original text said he died full. Don't you want to die full, full of joy and the love of the Lord? That's what I want to do. When I go home, I want to be so soaked up with the Lord that it's all just part of me. It just seeps out in me. And that takes what? A daily walk, right? Not a daily run, a daily walk. We need to know God's word today, folks. We need to know God's way today, right? If we don't, we will grow old with nothing of eternal value. You see, we need to know God's word. How do we know God's word? Read this. And folks, it's not good enough to come to Wednesday service, go to a Bible study during the week, go to Saturday service. It takes daily work, right? Could you imagine if we only ate on Wednesday, Bible study, and Sunday, a lot of us would be in a lot better shape, right? I see a lot of people snickering and say, Pastor Norm, you need to try that diet, okay? But we can't do that with God's word, can we? What I do today will affect how I live at the end of my life. What I do today. You know why I say that? You don't know if today's the last day of your life, right? We just lost a sister in Christ from here today. She went home to be with the Lord after a long suffering. But she thought, because she's a woman of faith, I guarantee you she thought she was going to be healed. And she had some serious prayer warriors praying for her. Hundreds of people praying for her. But she went home to be with the Lord. You see, we don't know if we have tomorrow, do we? And the Bible tells us that. Let's pick up in verse 9. His sons, Isaac and Ishmael, I did good on those names, right? Buried him in the cave, here we go, near Maccabah, near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite. You know whoever wrote this? I think they wanted to goof on some pastors, really. <laughs> the field of Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. Verse 11 says, After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who then lived near Beer La Roy. Abraham did not live the perfect life. We talked about that already. But he was a great man of faith who had a great and real relationship with God of remarkable obedience and a true friend of God. I want to challenge everybody to just do some self-examination. Do you really have a relationship with God? Or is it just a matter that I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I was baptized, 
I go to church. Do you really have a relationship with them? See, and that's something we need to keep in check daily. Because I'll tell you right now, be truthful. There's times when my relationship sort of goes like this a little bit. Not that I'm walking around selling dope and stealing cars and running around. No, but I can see it starts getting away. The things of the world start getting in the middle, right? Worries, different anxieties, overbearing bosses, right? Just different things get in our way, right? I found that when I was working. It happened a lot more back then because I would get worked up in the whole system, corporate world, and I'd see my relationship was getting farther and farther. We need to check ourselves daily. You'll see on the screen, James 2 tells us, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Don't we all want to be called God's friend? Now, we will see God carry on the work of the covenant first promised to Abraham through Isaac as we continue on. Verse 12. This is the account of Abraham's son Ishmael, whom Sarah's maidservant Hagar, the Egyptian, bore to him. These are the names of the son of Ishmael, listed in order of their birth. Nebiah, the firstborn of Ishmael, Kedar, Abdal, Midshan. I'm going to just skip through these because it's hurting my tongue. <laughs> Let's pick up in verse 16. These are the sons, sons of Ishmael, and these are the names of the 12 tribal leaders, rulers, excuse me, according to their settlements and camps. Verse 17, although Ishmael lived 137 years, he breathed his last and died, and he was gathered by his people, gathered to his people. His descendants settled in the area of Havilah to Shur, near the border of Egypt, as you go forward to Asher, and they lived in hostility towards all their brothers. That's a sad statement, isn't it? Isaac had parents who believed God in spite of the occasional mishaps and mistakes. They always tried to please God. You see what? Key, though. They always tried to please God. Do we do that? Do we do our inventory and check it off at the end of the day, say, I did a good job pleasing God? That's, if I please God, undoubtedly, everybody in my house is going to be happy, right? But if I please the people in my house all the time, that might not make God happy. You see where I'm going? It's very important that we strive to please God. We can draw a few parallels here through this. Ishmael is an example of the natural or unsaved person first who is outside the faith and hostile towards the things of God. And we see there's a scripture, 1 Corinthians, I have for you. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. Check this out. For they are foolish to him. You see, the people outside the world, the Bible is foolish to them. They don't understand it. 
and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. But Isaac is a good example of those who have trusted Jesus Christ and experienced a miraculous new birth by the power of God. And I have scripture from 1 Peter that speaks of this. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, though the living and enduring word of God, through the living word, excuse me. Every believer in Christ Jesus shares in all the blessings of the Spirit and coheres with him. Isaac's most important legacy was the spiritual wealth from his father and mother. Knowing and trusting the true and living God and being part of the covenant blessing that God had graciously bestowed upon Adam and Sarah and their descendants. So that was all part of the covenant. I'll ask everyone here, what legacy are you leaving? Maybe you haven't done such a good job in the past. Has your focus been on leaving a financial blessing or a spiritual blessing? There's still time to change. Start today. You see, I know some of you will leave financial blessings. That's all right. It's not, I'm not saying that's bad. If you want to include me in your will, that's fine. Okay? But it's more important that we leave a legacy of our love for Jesus Christ. Where if our children and our grandchildren and great-grandchildren have nothing else, they have the love of Jesus Christ. And that's more than any money can buy, right? So it's very important that we check what legacy are we leaving for our children, for our family, for our neighbors. Doesn't have to be our family. And you'll see Ephesians 1.3 on the, board, on the screen. Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What a beautiful scripture, is it not? How tragic it is when children of devout Christians, believers, turn their backs on their priceless spiritual inheritance. Like Ishmael and Esau, and they chose to live for the world in the flesh instead of the Lord. Let's do something a little bit different. Who of you, you don't have to raise your hands, has prodigals in your family? Or you know of prodigals? We're going to pray for them right now. And I have a thing. I, have a, I did a teaching years ago at a men's retreat called Praying the Prodigal Home. Now, that doesn't mean, I see a lot of people getting the shakes. That doesn't mean you're praying your prodigal children to move back into your house. <laughs> that means praying them home to Jesus, right? I want everybody to just take a second and think of a prodigal. Might be a neighbor. You might not even know the names. And we're going to pray for them right now. Father God, right now we come in agreement with your word. Saying that you can touch the hearts of these prodigals. And bring them home to you, Lord God. I pray that every prodigal that's being thought of right now has an uneasiness in their hearts. 
They don't know what's affecting them. But I ask that you surround them with strong believers that will encourage them and guide them back to you. Those that never knew you, I ask that they will come to know you. And they won't just come to make an emotional decision. They will be radically changed by your word. And we thank you for what you are going to do in all these prodigals' lives, Lord God. Bring peace to their families, their parents, their relatives, their friends that are anxious about their prodigals being out in the world. Let them realize that they've turned it over to you and that you're a God that's hearing these prayers and you're going to answer these prayers. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And if some of those prodigals move home, God bless you. See on the screen, sometimes the only thing we can do forces us to do the best thing we can do, and that is to pray. And God gave me that a couple months ago when I was at my desk having my prayer time, praying about something that I, I didn't know what, how it was going to ever work out. And God said, relax, I'm in control here. And he gave me that word. And I know he gave me that word to share with you all. That's a good thing to write into your Bible, I believe. Generations come and go, but the Lord remains and never changes. Psalm 90 tells us, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Isn't that a great dwelling place? My friends, our times are in his hands, and his timing is never wrong. And Psalm 31 tells us, My times are in your hands. Deliver me from my enemies and from those who pursue me. Back to our text. Verse 19. This is the account of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethel, the Amron from Padan, Aram, the sister of Laban, oh, you got the idea. Verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The babies jostled, in each, jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. That's a powerful statement right there. Her husband couldn't answer. He's the one that got her in this predicament. But she went to the Lord. What the Lord, maybe the Lord said you might as well stay away from him for a little bit, but I don't know. Verse 23, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Even the son of promise, Isaac, did not come into the promise easily. It only came through waiting and prayer. You see, Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah got pregnant. How is your patience, I ask you? Are you an impatient person? Are you ever impatient with God? You see on the screen, God's delays are not God's denial. 
Isaac was definitely a true man of prayer. We see this. So he went to the Lord on behalf of his wife, his barren wife. And I want to ask, do you pray harder for others than yourself? Or do you find yourself spending your prayer time praying for yourself? I believe God often tests us to see how we pray for others compared to praying for our own needs. Isaac had every right to ask God for children because he knew of the covenant promise to his family. True prayer means being concerned about God's will, not our own wants, and claimed in God's promises in his word. You see, Isaac was fortunate to have a wife not only that knew how to pray, but also wanted to understand God's will for herself and her children. We can see that the prayers of, husband, of a husband for his wife have a special effectiveness. And those of you that were here this weekend, Brian and Jen spoke about how important it is for husbands to pray for wives and wives to pray for husbands. Let me ask you, are you covering your family with prayers? Or are you just doing a flyby as you do your prayers in the morning? We will see in verse 26 that this prayer was answered but some 20 years after Isaac and Rebekah were married. Their faith and persistence in prayer was tested and invited to grow through many years. There's also those that I know that are praying for children, grandchildren, whatever it might be. We're going to take a second and pray for those that want children and aren't able to have children at this time. Father God, we lift up all those that want to be pregnant and have babies. We ask that you just fulfill their dreams and their passions and their loves with healthy, lovely children, Lord God. And we just thank you for that prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. The struggles that seemed to take place in Rebecca's womb made her seek God. And she saw, as she saw God, she spoke, he spoke to her regarding the number of children, too, and told her how many children she was going to have. And you see on the screen, I like this statement here. It's good to desire that the Lord would speak to us, but we must realize we might not always hear perfectly from God. We can become far too confident in our own abilities to hear from the Lord and forget that it is easy for us to stop listening when God wants to keep speaking. We may be adding to what God is saying to hear it clearly, but misunderstanding the timing and or application of what God says to us. God told Rebecca there would be two nations in her womb. What God said was simple. They would give birth to twins. The twins would each father nations. One shall be greater than the other, and the younger will be greater than the older. Like Rebecca, if you are a Christ follower, have you ever had that rumbling in your stomach? What is that? You, you want to do something right, right? Do you ever feel this? It's because our flesh and spirit are waging war against each other. What can we do about this, though? We must decide which one we want to be stronger, 
If we choose to feed our flesh, our flesh will grow bigger and stronger. And our spirit will become weaker and weaker. But on the other hand, if we choose to feed our spirit, our spirit will grow stronger and our flesh will become weaker and weaker. So whose choice is it? It's our choice. Once again, faith in action. And we see here on Romans 9.10, not only that, but Rebekah's children had one and the same father, the father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger, just as it is written, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. You see, God did not hate Esau in the sense of cursing him, and he was not doomed. All told, Esau was indeed a blessed man, in some ways well more adjusted than Jacob. And we will see that in, over here in Genesis 33. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they wept. Then Esau looked up and saw the woman and children. Who are these with you, he asked. Jacob answered, they are the children. God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservant and their children approached and bowed down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all, Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Esau asked, what do you mean by those droves I met? To find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Yet regarding the inheritance of a covenant, it could be said that God did hate Esau, but that was only through the covenant itself. Our greatest error is considering the choices God, of God is to think that God chooses arbitrary, for arbitrary reasons, as if choices were random and senseless. See, God chooses according to his divine wisdom, love, and God, God, goodness. We may not be able to understand God's reasons, folks, for choosing, and they are reasons he alone can answer. But God's choices are not random or careless. Let's pick up on verse 24. When time came for her to give birth, they were twin boys in her womb. The first came out, was red, and his body was like a hairy garment. Must have been a cutie. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Any of you 60-year-old guys want to have babies? Just as God chose, had chosen Isaac, the secondborn, and not Ishmael, the firstborn, so he also chose Jacob, the secondborn, and not Esau, the firstborn. That the younger son should rule. The elder was contrary to human tradition and logic. But our sovereign God made the choice, and God never makes a mistake. And the older shall save the younger. 
serve the younger. In this case, God chose to go against the accepted pattern of the younger serving the older. God's plans are always perfect. But I add this comment, unlike man's plans. Don't we make plans and they're not within God, right? The apostle Paul used this choice of Jacob over Esau before their birth as an illustration of God's sovereign grace. And we'll see that same slide that I had up before, Romans 9. It says, not only that, but Rebekah's children had one and the same father, our father Isaac. And it goes on in verse 11. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls. She was told the older will serve the younger. It's unfortunate when homes are divided because parents and children put their own personal desires before the will of God. You'll see on the screen, the purpose of prayer is not to get our will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. Let's all think back. Have we ever had this time when we were marketing ourselves, when we were trying to make ourselves look good to get the advantage over on somebody else? That's when you're not using faith in God. And we see on the screen, true faith is living without scheming. And the reason I say that, being any of you that are still in corporate world, you see that all the time, right? When I was in corporate world, we would have clients come in and we would give them with gifts and my, the company president would buy them Rolex watches and everything else so they would sign on the dotted line. Now that's, again, totally against the law now. But do we do that? Do we try to make ourselves look good so we get over on other people? You know, I try it all the time with Pastor Dave. I try to take him out for lunch every week, and it ain't helping. He's still making me dig holes in the playground. But, you know, we got to understand, if any of you here are even, I, I put this in here, are any of you superstitious? I was very superstitious when I was playing ball and when I was still an athlete. Wouldn't step on the line, would never step on home plate until I was behind it as a catcher. If I did, I, it messed me up. I only walk through one door. I don't walk through a certain door. Those, those type of things. That's your take and trying to manipulate life. Let God control your life, folks. Let God control your life. You see, the truth of the unseen promise was fulfilled by something that could not be seen. Verse 27, the boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter and a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Like so many siblings, there's differences in families. I have three children. They are so far different. It's unbelievable. They all got my good looks, but none of them got really Tina's high intellect standards. You know what I mean? But it, they're all different. Are all our children different? We're different. But the best thing about it, God loves us all the same. He doesn't love anybody more than you. So we see this as we go on. Jacob and Esau... 
represented two different people within. Jacob II was born to represent the spirit. Esau, the firstborn, was to represent the flesh. Now we look behind, we go on. Esau, the older brother, is similar to how each of us was when we walked in the flesh. In other words, before we got saved, before we were born again and touched by the Spirit. In this, we can see that the flesh tries to give reason for being loved. Here we see an attempt to manipulate. But Jacob, a picture of the Spirit, reminds me that God does not love me because I am lovable or lovely. I am so thankful that God loves me because he is love. Verse 29, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came from the open country famished. He and Jacob, quick, let him have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That's why they also called him Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Here we go, a little skimming and scamming. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him selling his birthright to Jacob. Verse 34, when Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, he ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Here, each son acted consistently with his own natural inclination. Esau hunted and Jacob cooked. As we go on, we see this, and it's amazing that Martin Luther, great, great man of God, came up with this. I, I read this in one of my texts. This was not a valid transaction because Jacob tried to purchase what he already had. And Esau tried to sell something that didn't belong to him. And on the screen, I have a comment for you. Discovering your, our own uniqueness and using it to the glory of God is the challenge that makes life what it is. Why be a cheap imitation when you can be a valuable original? Folks, God has a, spe a specific plan for all of us. People often sell their birthright for the comforts of the world. Don't let the temptations of the world rob you of your birthright. Spiritually speaking, many people despise their own birthrights. And the last scripture I have is in Ephesians 1. It says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasures and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in one he loves. Isn't that beautiful? We need to remember that, folks, that we're not a mistake. God has us right where he wants us. Remember, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. 
You know, it's unfortunate. I read these statistics in a book. It is said that men spend more time shaving than working on their souls. That must be for the bald guys. I got to shave here and here and here, you know. But it's true. And also for the women, you're not getting off free. It said many women give more minutes to their makeup than they do their life in eternal spirit. That's a dangerous one. How much time every day are we dedicating to grow closer to God? And the last thing I have on the screen is many people go through the word of God, but the word of God doesn't go through them. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for these folks being dedicated to come out in this lousy weather. And those that are online, we welcome them. And we're so thankful they're here with us. But Lord, I think this is a challenging message for us all. That our faith needs to grow. Our faith can't stay the same place every day. Because I believe if the faith just stays where it is, it's just going to die. It needs to grow. It needs to strengthen. And we need to help it grow. We need to work at it. So, Lord, I pray that everyone here tonight will do a self-examination every day. Are they doing better than they did yesterday? Are they drawing closer to God or drawing farther away? Lord, you give us all the same amount of time in the day. But priorities got to change in a lot of our lives. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that everyone that has heard this message will leave here with their faith growing as we see in here people praying for 20 years before the prayer was answered. May our faith grow stronger as we wait on your answers not grow weaker. Because we know you hear our prayers. That's a special time we get to offer to you. And I just love you and praise you for this time here tonight. And may you go before everyone as we leave. I ask for blessings upon every home, every marriage. We lift up the prodigals to you again, Lord God. And those that are wanting children, I ask that you bless them with their wishes. And not just bless them with a child, but bless them with a special child that will grow to know you. And we commit our lives to you tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If anyone here has never asked Jesus into your heart, I'll be down here. Or if anybody has any prayer needs, come down and see me. But uh, God bless you all. We all know that in the back we have the offering. We thank you so much for your gifts. Uh, the gifts are going to good things, right? And uh, continue to pray on the playground. We're moving. We're moving. But uh, we still need prayer, so pray for the playground. Have a wonderful night. Be careful going home. God bless you all.